Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by the managing editor of Horns247, Taylor Estes. We are recapping a really, really dispiriting 17-10 loss at home against number four TCU, in which I can't remember a better defensive effort for nearly three quarters, Taylor. It was 14 tackles for loss, five sacks. Uh, Texas was living in the backfield. Um, TCU had no answer. This was a 3-0 game at halftime. Uh, But Quinn Ewers was totally out of sorts by that point. And um, this felt like a rehash of the Oklahoma State game from the standpoint that Quinn Ewers couldn't get into any kind of passing rhythm. And the offense thus, um, well, no, the offense could have worked harder to run the football, but Steve Sarkeesian didn't press that button. Right. Um, he got to first and goal from the, from the two, first and goal from the five. Bijan Robinson didn't get a single carry in either of those situations. He finishes with the fewest carries he's had since his freshman year. Uh, This was such a complete nightmare offensively. And, you know, I think Texas fans are looking at Steve Sarkeesian and saying, we hired you because of your offensive prowess. You were hired to match wits with Lincoln Riley in the Big 12. Lincoln Riley left town, leaving Steve Sarkeesian as the preeminent play caller, preeminent play designer. And he did that last week against Kansas State. We talked about it, the counters, the powers, the the new ways to run the football. There was none of that tonight. And once again, Steve Sarkeesian called a game like he was down three touchdowns instead of three points. And Bijan Robinson was nowhere to be found in this game. It's insulting. If I'm Bijan Robinson... I go into Steve Sarkeesian's office and say, thanks for nothing, dude. Thanks for not believing in me. Um, This was a disaster in Texas's last 18 possessions, Taylor. They have six points. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it's like, it's a, it's definitely a, a head scratcher. I will say, Obviously, Quinn Ewers struggled to get into any sort of rhythm, any way, you know, at all. 
he had very little help too, because there were plenty of passes that he did, you know, hit receivers in the hands and they dropped the ball. And, you know, um, I would say that the lack of effort to make the extra play, you know, or, or use extra effort to make a play was not there, especially with Xavier Worthy throughout the game. I mean, trust, like, I'm not, I'm not saying it's all the receiver's fault and like giving a pass to Quinn Ewers. He, he had some, you know, bad misses too, but he had no help either. And I think that is probably going to get overlooked a bit because, you know, people want to, the, the old saying is, you know, quarterbacks give too much credit for wins and too much, uh, blame and losses. Mac Brown would like beat that into our heads when he was the head coach of Texas, but it is true. And so, um, you know, I don't think he got much help at all from, um, especially Xavier Worthy, his top, the top receiver that he targeted the most in the game. Um, you know, I, I just, I can't, like, I will say this chip looking at the way that the Texas defense played and plus the fact that the only touchdown that Texas scored in this game came on defense too. So the offense has not scored a second half touchdown now since what would it have been? OU? Is that, Iowa no, State. Iowa State. Iowa State. Yeah. So they haven't done that is shocking to me. But this is probably the best defensive performance for from Texas as a whole for four quarters of a game that I've probably that we've probably seen in 10 years. And the offense literally couldn't score a single point. I mean, it's it's just crazy. I mean, the fact that Texas, I don't think they got into um, the red zone on offense until late in the third quarter. And I think they only had two trips to the red zone in the entire game. And that is, you know, like they barely even cross midfield. Like that's insane. It's absolutely insane with the firepower that Texas does have on this offense. And, uh, you know, they had a perfect defensive game plan. This is one of the top scoring offenses in the country that they face in TCU, averaging over 40 points per game prior to this, um, prior to Saturday's game. And, you know, they end up with 17, but only three at halftime. I mean, the defense did everything it possibly could to keep Texas in this game, and the offense was nowhere to be found at home. And uh, that's, that's alarming. But at the end of the day, it's it falls on Sark. You know, I mean, this is his offense, and he wants to call the offense. That's why he was hired you know, at Texas, but at some point he may need to make, look in the mirror and realize that maybe it's not as easy to call offenses when you are a head coach, because you have so many other responsibilities that you need to be paying attention to. In addition to every single play and every getting every play in on time, all of the things that come with being an offensive play caller, but then you add the, the head coaching duties to it too. I think that that could be an issue and he may need to take a hard look into if he wants to continue to be the offensive play caller moving forward, or if he wants to hire somebody he can trust to call his offense, that's, I think, probably going to be the crossroads that he's got to have to um, come to soon, Chip, because it's not working right now. And it hasn't been working in the second half of games since he got to Texas, too. So, you know, the opening script works for the most part, didn't it, tonight? But at some point, when people know that you're going to become predictable, you got to make a change. Well, um, I'm concerned about the development of Quinn Ewers because he's not getting better. Um, I think we all thought he was going to come home um, after a couple of tough road games at Oklahoma State, at Kansas State. Thought he was better, definitely, against Kansas State. He was 
better against Kansas State than he was tonight. Um, and Kansas State statistically has a better defense than TCU by a lot. Uh, but TCU, give it, give credit to Sonny Dykes. He absolutely sold out to stop the run, and and Sark didn't have any answers. Didn't didn't have screens. Didn't have um, didn't have any of the creativity that he's shown even you know the last two games in the running game. We talked about, you know, counter and power and the different ways that he was running it. Um, tonight, he comes out in the second half and runs straight zone running plays when TCU's crashing their linebackers, penetrating. Zone is the worst running play against that. Penetration devours zone running, you know, schemes. And they weren't running behind Kelvin Banks. I didn't understand that. Um, I, I feel like Sark just like he had all the answers to the test and the dog ate his homework or something. I mean, this was embarrassing. One of 13 yeah. on third down, um, one of four on fourth down, not getting Bijan Robinson involved, um, in the running game, in the passing game. And then of all things, uh, with 10 41 left in the game and, and TCU up seven or uh, 10 to three or no, 10 to nothing. Sorry, 10 to nothing. Uh, Quinn Ewers has Bijan Robinson wide open on a wheel route. The he stiff armed the defender at the line of scrimmage. The defender fell down. Bijan is all by himself. Quinn is looking to that side of the field and throws a five yard pass to Jatavian Sanders. Like yeah. Quinn Ewers was not seeing the field in the first half. He only had eyes for Xavier worthy when Jordan Whittington's wide open. Bijan Robinson's wide open. Like where's the, where's the evolution here? Steve Sarkeesian, you're the quarterbacks coach. I mean, okay. AJ Milwee, whatever, but you're the guy, you're the guy who's got to get your quarterback to see the field for the game to slow down. And Quinn Ewers didn't see the field at all. The the targets, eight targets for Xavier Worthy in the first half. He's overthrown him. He's thrown into double coverage. Um, Worthy dropped a pass. Jatavian Sanders dropped a pass. Jaleel Billingsley dropped a pass. That gets to what you were saying. The receivers weren't helping. But listen, Jordan Whittington was Mr. Third Down last year. Because Casey Thompson knew Jordan Whittington was going to be where he was supposed to be on third down, especially on those crossing routes. There's none of that this year. Jordan Whittington's an afterthought in this offense. He finally caught a pass in the fourth quarter on a bubble screen with a great block from Tariq Milton. He goes for 25 yards and then catches another 11-yard pass and gets them into the red zone where they've got first and goal. And Steve Sarkeesian gave up on the run. I mean, this is so ridiculous, Taylor. It was a 3-0 game. TCU wasn't doing anything in the running game, but they kept hammering away, and finally the dam broke. Uh, Diamante Tucker Dorsey got out of his gap. Kendry Miller, 75-yard touchdown. Mm -hmm. That put TCU up 10-0, and Steve Sarkeesian started calling the game like he was down three touchdowns. The, the stadium was a third, like a third of the fans left in the third you know, late third quarter, early fourth quarter, because they couldn't take it anymore. 
like by the time Max Duggan and Kendra Miller fumbled that exchange, no help from the Texas defense. That was like Max Duggan was trying to pull the ball back from Kendra Miller. Miller was trying to hang on to it. The ball goes backwards. Duggan jumps on it. The ball goes further backwards. Johnny Barron picks it up, scoop and score 48 yards. It's a 17-10 game with four minutes and change left. And the the fans were already done. They were exhausted by this just completely inept showing by Steve Sarkeesian with this offense. If Quinn Ewers, who opened the game 0 of 7 passing, um, and it, it was disastrous, if he's going to be that bad again, like the Oklahoma State game, take him out for a series, put Hudson Card in, and see if something changes because that was disastrous. It's embarrassing. If if it was anyone other than number three, there would have been a quarterback change. Steve Sarkeesian pulled Casey Thompson out of games last year when Casey, you know, threw for five touchdowns in three different games last year. It's ridiculous the kind of, you know, preferential treatment that Sarkeesian's given yours. I'm not asking for a quarterback change. I'm asking for take him out for a series like Lincoln Riley did with Spencer Rattler, like he did with, you know, Kyler Murray. He sat Kyler Murray for a series and put Tanner Mordecai in. I mean, and in brought both of the starters back and they ended up beating Texas. But uh, this is exhausting, Taylor. I mean, um, Steve Sarkeesian needs to be, you know, put on the grill for this because his defense played out of its mind tonight against the number one offense in the Big 12, as you said, averaging over one of the top in, Yeah, one of the top in college football. Right. Like they were score, or I think tied for third in scoring offense in college football. Completely shut down. Mm-hmm. And Steve Sarkeesian could not, could not get anything going. Didn't have the nerve to put the ball in B. John Robinson's hands the same way that Sonny Dykes did with Kendra Miller. And... You know, this is, you know, this, this is going to haunt. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if Texas has the the stamina or if the players believe in their coach uh, from an offensive standpoint to go to Kansas and, and get it done. Uh, by the way, Kansas state beat the bleep out of Baylor and Waco tonight, 31 to three. And Will Howard played quarterback. You and I said, a week ago, if Adrian Martinez plays, Texas wins. If Will Howard plays, probably not so much. Texas got exactly what they needed at Kansas State, came home in front of 104,000 fans, and Steve Sarkeesian threw up all over himself in front of rabid fans ready to go. Students yeah. were in place an hour before the game. This was embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, it's, Obviously, this is right after the game. You know, we're recording at 1.12 a.m. right now. So we haven't had a chance to rewatch the game. But this is still the number four team in college football that they face. This isn't – they didn't yeah, their play this way against – in the Big 12. I, I understand. But it's still the number four team undefeated. And they find they have found ways to win games. However, they've, they have. They've, they've clawed together, worked together as a team, and have 
come up on top of these games, even when they have come down. I think that has a lot to do with the maturity, probably starting with Max Duggan. And that's something at quarterback Texas is lacking. I mean, I know that Quinn Ewers, his ceiling is very high. However, even before the season started, Chip, how many times did we talk about the fact that like anybody that's expecting him to be some All-American um, in year one when he hadn't played football for two years and or like a Heisman contender or anything like that, we're like, just like tap the brakes a little bit because this is a kid that is a freshman and you're seeing some of the freshman mistakes. So sit him down. I think He's completing 48% of his passes. I, I understand. I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not, you know, defending that at all. I think that, you know, would not have hurt. West Virginia for them to bring Daniels today brought in Garrett green, a running quarterback and beat OU. I mean, yeah, but I think you're, I think you're putting weight. I think you're blaming Quinn Ewers entirely for the offensive performance and the offense as a whole. Yeah, You didn't see the field. Play. He had guys running wide open and he missed them. And okay. But so, so like, is he supposed in a one to possession game when the ball John Robinson wide open down the field? Yeah. And he did talk about that after the game. He said, cause he was asked about it. Like what, what was going on there? What did, did you not see him? And he said that he saw Bijan, but he saw the linebacker start to go towards him. And so that was his first read. His second read was Sanders. And so he said, after I saw the linebacker make a move, I moved to my second read. That is what he, how he explained it. He didn't excuse him missing the fact that Bijan did go wide open in the end zone, but that was the, the read progression that he was supposed to take there. Well, if I'm he not sees making excuses coming for in. yours tonight. I'm not, not tonight. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I think I will just like disagree with you a little bit when it comes to you know, wondering about We've his seen development. This before, Taylor. Or I mean, his... that, this is the problem. We saw it okay. at Oklahoma State. That's you know, fine. He, so less than it's a freshman. Your passes, it's a freshman. He should, he should sit down freshman. for a series. Yes, that, and that's series. on Sark. That's on Sark. That's on Sark. But he's not. But he's not sitting him. And so, at some point, Sark is not putting him into the best position to be successful. When we talk about Kansas State, you know, that being a better defense than TCU, and he had a better performance against them. What did Sark call? He gave the ball 30 times to Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson got the ball 12 times tonight. I mean, that it, the best, a, court, a struggling quarterback. Yeah, but Sark's going to keep putting the ball in the hands of Quinn Ewers and trying to win a game, throwing the football with a quarterback who's completely out of rhythm. That's on Sark. That's on Sark. On Sark. That's, That's on not Sark. on Quinn, right? Yeah, but Quinn also missed everything underneath. The guy I understand that, but he's struggling in when he's got Sark is not putting him in position to be successful and he's not giving the ball to the best players on the field, which is the running backs. That's what happened in the loss to TCU. Sark abandoned the run the when thing. they shut it down. I know, I know, but I think that you are blaming. I think your blame is solely, it seems like it's mainly on Quinn and Sark or I'm like, it's all on Sark. You know, Sark has to realize that this is a freshman quarterback. He's in a situation where he has a first time you know, starter, a first time player who hadn't played for two years. And it's like the freshman mistakes that you expect to see from a freshman. It's almost like people were not expecting that from Quinn because Quinn had a pretty solid start to the season. And so, and he, and he's had good showings too. Um, but at the end of the day, it falls on Sark and abandoning the run game, Bijan Robinson only getting 12 carries, even if they shut it down. I mean, what was the game where Sark said, to Bijan on the sideline, like one of these is going to go, one of it's going to, the levy's going to break and you're going to bust out a big run. And he kept going to, it was earlier in the season and it happened. And it's like, 
if that doesn't happen early on in the game, it's like, let's abandon the run. And you have Xavier Worthy, who is, you know, I mean, he's not playing great either. You know, I, I think that that falls in line a little bit, but I, it just, it was a recipe for disaster. I would say that from it, but it all started with Sark. And if he's not willing to bench Quinn Ewers just for a series or two or whatever, to give him a time to just like relax, then he needs to realize that maybe calling deep shot after deep shot after deep shot with a quarterback that is struggling to throw the ball may not be the best plan. And that's where I feel like the, where it comes down to is, is Sark seeing this in the game or is he looking to the next two, three plays ahead to try to figure out what he wants to call? And this is what makes it difficult for an offensive play caller. That's also a head coach. There are very few who have won national championships. I mean, we talked before we started recording. I mean, Lincoln Riley is probably the anomaly and he still hasn't won a national championship, but the Lincoln Riley's and the Lane Kiffins are the anomaly. Look at what's happening at Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher. I mean, the, the idea that because you got to your head coaching career, because you were an offensive play caller, offensive guru, and that you should stay with that. It, it, it may be a dated thought, honestly, at this point, Chip. I mean, I'll give credit to Tom Herman. Shoot, he got he got the head coaching job at Houston when he was offensive, you know, um, coordinator at Ohio State, and he gave up play calling duties to Major Apwhite so he could be the head coach. And then he got a Power Five job. What two years later? And he started off that way. Then he took over calling the offense. And what happened? It's worked for the first few games they started calling. Then it became predictable. There comes a point where it just may be too much, and only the anomaly coaches are the ones that are able to actually manage being an offensive play caller in addition to being the head coach because there's so many other responsibilities that fall on them even if you don't see it every single play yeah i mean whether he you know and the fact that we're having this conversation again because his offense has been outscored um what 34 to 6 in the two second halves leading up to this game and and now has had 18 drives their last 18 drives think about that 18 drives have resulted in six points their last 18 drives and again look tcu did not have their leading outside linebacker and sack leader d winters in the first half and texas still or steve sarkeesian looked like he was playing the dizzy back game um trying to get this offense into rhythm and it was it it just it, it's mind numbing yeah um, to to look at these numbers one of 13 on third down are you kidding me like i mean lincoln riley never had a one of 13 on third down steve sarkeesian is not lincoln riley and you're right you're right maybe he's not capable of doing both and and there's not very many that are either i mean the last head coach that was the offensive well let's stay on Sarkeesian for a second yeah. because okay. this was the game of the year this was texas's opportunity to take control to get to the big 12 championship game now they need everybody to lose you know k-state everybody's got to lose for texas to backdoor their way in to the big 12 title game but they had it at their house, 104,000, 
Fans were amped and ready to go. The defense playing out of its mind. Special teams kept trying to, to block kicks. And, and part of that was because the offense was so inept. They sent DeMarvin Overshawn uh, after a third punt, and his helmet barely hits the plant leg of the punter after Texas kicks a field goal and gets a three and out. The momentum, Texas has the momentum. And DeMarvin Overshone's helmet barely hits the plant leg of the punter, but that's an automatic 15-yard penalty if you hit the plant leg. And that ends up being basically the, the game-winning drive for TCU. It, it, it allows them to keep the ball. They go down. They score. It was a horrible um, you know, bust in the secondary by Texas. Anthony Cook thought he had the man underneath. He thought the outside um, defender had Quentin Johnston, and so Quentin Johnston runs right by Anthony Cook like they're you know, breaking up, a couple breaking up, and Quentin Johnston runs right into the end zone totally free for for a touchdown it was it, it was so cruel the way that tcu scored their two touchdowns tonight on a on a bust by diamante tucker dorsey for a 75 yard touchdown run and then on a horrible uh, pass coverage bust by um i think Texas. it was both the safety and corner that's that's what sark said he said it was a it was a miss communication and read by both guys safety corner miss well anthony cook saw jade baron looking like he was going to blitz and that meant that anthony cook was in man and jade baron didn't blitz he backed out of it cook didn't see it and that you know cook once he saw jade baron back out of it he should have realized okay i'm back to covering deep middle and and it didn't happen. And Quentin Johnston got a laughing touchdown. Um, and so it, it's unfortunate because the Texas defense was phenomenal for for nearly three quarters. And um, and then when they needed that last uh, third down stop after uh, the Jade Baron scoop and score. They kick off to TCU with four minutes and change left. There's a third and four. They run double slants and and Texas gave, you know, just line up. Don't line up deeper than the four yards, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, that drives me crazy. It's third and four. So don't line up six yards deep and give that slant and then tackle the the catch because you're toast at that point. And, and that was it. But, um, you know, this one, I was talking to Roshan Johnson after the game, and I said TCU wasn't doing anything in the running game either, but they kept hammering away, and they got that 75-yard touchdown run with, what, five minutes left in the third quarter? I said, did you think that's how you all were going to approach it? And he said, yeah, that was the mindset going in. We schemed our way out of it. Tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Yeah, and – and I will say, I want to, one thing I think is important for us to say, like those, the two touchdowns that the Texas defense gave up or DeMarvian Overshone, you know, running into or roughing the, you know, kicker penalty where he hit the plant leg. Those did not, those were not the, the reason why Texas lost this game. Right. Like, and, and give credit to Pete Kwiatkowski and the defensive staff at some point. 
these were, you know, they were blown coverages or whatever it may have been. That's on the players. That's not on the scheme. It's not on anything else. And this, I would hope, should silence anybody that's like, oh, anytime that Texas struggles, it's like fire Pete Kwiatkowski. It's like they're, the improvement that they have shown game after game after game this season is being overlooked in a like almost shocking way, I think, among the Texas fan base. I don't know if like Texas fans have just gotten so used to complaining about the defensive coordinator or scheme or whatever it is that it's just like the easy like argument. But this is a far improved effort from the defense as a whole. And it starts with the staff, starts with Pete Kulkowski. Obviously, the addition of Gary Patterson has helped um, in, in a variety of ways with him being able to watch advanced film on opponents. And in this game, like like those were poor plays with the two touchdowns given up. But if anybody told me going into this game that a position or a, a situation would happen to where all Texas offense needed to do was score like 10 points, I would be like, oh, Texas wins 100%. Like they're not they're going to score more than 10 points. It's like, no, like they, they couldn't even do that, you know, because the defense did get that touchdown. If you like, you know, get rid of the – uh, if you take that seven points away from the seven points there, it's like it's a seven point game, you know, and so for the offense to just score a touchdown, they couldn't do it. And so I just don't want anybody to think that we're like blaming the defense by pointing out any of those those touchdown things, because yeah. it it was impressive from start to finish. And, and mind you, they are without they were also without their starting corner with Deshaun Jameson. He's in concussion protocol. Steve Sarkeesian confirmed after the game. So he wasn't even on the sideline or anything. Terrence Brooks started the game, true freshman, and he played really well too. I mean, this was this was a far better, I would say, uh, secondary performance minus obviously the, the miscue on uh, Quentin Johnston's touchdown there um, than it was against Iowa State when Ryan Watts left the game and, you know, Terrence Brooks and, um, oh gosh, who was the other one that came Austin in for Jordan. Yeah, Austin Jordan, like when they had to come in off the bench for it, this was a situation where the the corners, the next guy up was ready. And I think that's a good sign. And I think that's probably something that's going to get overlooked because it's coming off of a loss. I feel like they, they must have learned a lesson from the Iowa State game because Terrence Brooks was ready to start. And I feel like as a whole, I mean, you limit one of the most potent offenses in college football to what was it? I think a total of what, 283 yards total. And the majority of those came in late in the third and fourth quarter when, you know, Texas defense was on the field for 37 minutes and 22 seconds compared to the offense, 22, 38. And then even in the fourth quarter, I mean, the defense was on the field for about 11 minutes of the 15 minute quarter. And the fact that they still held that the one of the top offenses of college football below 300 yards way below their scoring average and shoot, they didn't even hit 20 points. Most people will say if a defense can hold a team to less to 20 points or less, you're going to win games. And they did, they did everything that they possibly could have done what they should have done. And they just got no help. And it's just, I mean, a part of me feels bad for them. Like DeMarvin Overshone, you know, he seemed kind of upset about after the game, um, I think, or I think it was after, I can't remember when it was, but like Sark kind of like was like lifting him up a little bit. And he was asked about that after the game. And he was like, yeah, I didn't want him to hold his head because, or hang his head because he got that penalty. He's like, these guys did everything they could to put us in a position to win. And we didn't answer as an offense. And so like, I just, 
you know, I feel for him a little bit because this was probably the best performance I've seen from a Texas defense in my career from start to finish. And sure. That was one no of the best help. defensive yeah. performances we've ever seen. It, it, it mm -hmm. reminds me of the 13-10 game against Oklahoma State Yeah, back in 2017. That was a masterpiece. And the offense had eight three and outs, and they lost 13 to 10 in overtime. Yeah. Uh, that was the game that Mike Gundy said that Michael Dixon almost won the punter. Yeah. Almost they won. Almost, he almost single handedly beat them. Right. <laughs> yeah. This was that kind of game. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was phenomenal. I mean, again, what, 14 tackles for loss, five sacks? Mm -hmm. They had. The, their season highs for tackles for loss and sacks at halftime. Yeah. Um, in a game, it, it, you know, Baron Sorrell was all over Max Duggan, like, like his, you know, like his Jersey. He was that, that tight to him. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. And you're just waiting for, you know, for Bijan Robinson to, to become more of a focal point. Where, where was Bijan Robinson in the passing game? Why isn't Quinn Ewers looking for anyone other than Xavier Worthy in the first half? This was a carbon yeah. copy of the Oklahoma State game. Stop looking for number eight. He's drawing double coverage. You got four running wide open. You got five as a check down wide open. And I will take Bijan Robinson catching a pass in the flat all day mm -hmm. over trying to throw another deep ball. Um, into double coverage to Jatavian Sanders or or Xavier Worthy. It just the defense knows that's where Quinn Ewers wants to go, and and they well, read and him like a book tonight. Yeah, and Sark did. He he was asked about that in post game, and one thing that he said he's like, if a deep shot is there, you have to take it. Otherwise, they're like the defense is essentially going to settle in and and basically make it to where like you're not ever going to get one of those. You have to, he said, so if you see it, you got to take it. But, and I get, I get that under like that, the way he explained, I'm not explaining it very well. I know, but essentially he's like saying, if it's not hitting, you can't just abandon taking shots down the field. Um, if you have a quarterback capable of, of making those type of throws, but at the end of the day, whether it's Quinn, you are struggling Xavier worthy, not giving any extra effort. If a ball doesn't, especially if he's in coverage deep down the field, you've talked about it. I think it was a really good point, especially after the Oklahoma state game. It's almost like he loses the ball when it's in the air. If there's any defender in front of him and, or near him, it's like, unless he's like way past it, like you're the last line of the defense, you're it's hard to expect him to make those catches. And those weren't hitting and I know you don't want to abandon it, but it's like, why, why is it every single possession? There was a, at least a deep shot. Like you're right. Cause it's like neither one of them was connecting on them. And it's like, do some more intermediate passes, hand the ball off. Oh, and then get the defense, like, you know, fully in the box and then try the deep shot over the top. And it just, it was weird. It's like, I don't know. It, it's a, well, the thing, the, the, two possessions that bothered me the most were in the red zone. You, you know, first and goal from the two and Bijan Robinson doesn't get a carry, you know? Um, and then first and goal from the five, they throw it three straight times or they try to Quinn Ewers um, fumbled the, you know, he got 
brushed by Bijan Robinson and fumbled the ball, had to jump on it. So it's, it's, you know, third and goal from the 10 and then they go for it on fourth and goal from the 10 instead of taking the field goal. Um, and you're going, okay, you've done absolutely nothing on this possession. And now you're going for it on fourth and goal from the 10, take the field goal, cut it to 17, six and keep trying to play defense and hope that something breaks. And it just, it seemed like, and then Steve Sarkeesian, you know, at the end of the first half, he's got fourth and one near midfield. He's got 50 seconds left and, you know, they don't, they throw it on third and nine to Jordan Whittington. He comes up a yard short and they don't have any timeouts left. So Steve Sarkeesian, instead of trying to get 20 more yards or go make the first down, the clock will stop when you make the first down. Um, and try and get in field goal range to tie the game three three. He he lets the clock wind down and he he punts it. Um, it's just inconsistent. You're you're not sure if it it looks like he has a plan, mm-hmm. and and that's the hard part, Taylor. That's the hard part. You you hire Steve Sarkeesian because he's this offensive guru that Alabama twenty offense, you know, set all kinds of records. Um, but you know, that offense had NFL offensive lineman, a Heisman finalist at quarterback, a Heisman winner at receiver, another Heisman finalist at running back. I mean, um, I get it. I get why you want Steve Sarkeesian, uh, to come and be your coach and match wits with Lincoln Riley, but 18 drives, six points. Yeah. when your big 12 title hopes are on the line and you're the favorite because Vegas knows you have more talent than the teams you're playing and your offense with Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson, Kelvin Banks at left tackle, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington. Last 18 drives, six points. That's on Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, no, it is. And I will say like, I, I kind of am more like, I, I wasn't too... I understand both sides, I think, with the, the you know, series before halftime um, when they ended up punting it away. Just the defense was playing really well, but the offense wasn't. And it's like if they do try to, like, you know, try it, it, with the way that the offense was playing, I wouldn't have very much faith in them being able to get the first down there to even get into field goal territory. And then you're kind of setting your defense up again in a negative field position, first of all, but then the lead at halftime could very easily go from a three, three, nothing to a 10, nothing, or even six, nothing, you know? So I kind of like, with them getting the ball back after halftime, I didn't really have too much of a problem with that. Now, if they weren't getting the ball back after halftime, I would have been like, what the hell are they doing? But with them getting the ball back, only being down by three, shutting them out, you know, TCU out of the um, end zone entirely. um, You know, I mean, the defense was playing well enough that I wouldn't really know if I'd want to shake their confidence going into halftime regardless, especially if the offense was going to start the second half with the ball. That's just I, my opinion, though. Yeah, I would have trusted the defense. Your defense was yeah. playing so well. I would have tried to tell my team, we're we're attacking. We're going to, yeah. 
you know, we're, we're at midfield. We need 20 yards for a field goal. And, and it, it, it is what it is, but Steve Sarkeesian, yeah. um, after, you know, being the, the kind of the king of the scripted plays to get off to fast starts, uh, that, that, that was abysmal tonight. And, yeah. and then in the second quarter was what we saw in the second half against Kansas state. It was a false start. It was a holding, it was an interception. Um, it was, it got worse. Like it, it just, uh, you're just looking for any bright light whatsoever. And it wasn't happening. I mean, Quinn, you all breaks, no gas, <laughs> right? All breaks, no gas opens. O of seven passing, uh, over the course of three drives and TCU's doing nothing. They're going backwards because the Texas defense, Baron Sorrell's living in the backfield. And Steve Sarkeesian could not get this offense with all this firepower uh, to do anything. And, uh, and we're probably repeating ourselves, Taylor, but um, this one, I don't know. Bijan Robinson, 12 carries. Um, do you have the stats up right in front of you? Yeah. So Bijan Robinson. Did he have a reception? Carries. Um, no, no. Three, three I don't players think so. got passes in the game. Xavier yeah. Ruby, I Sanders and Jordan winning. Yeah. Right. That's it. Three. I'm pretty players. sure. Yeah. Three players yeah. caught passes mm -hmm. tonight. Yeah. That's un. That's un. That's unexcusable. Just awful. Yeah. Yeah. Just awful. So, yeah. And especially with John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, their ability to catch the ball, whether it's out of the backfield, it, down the field. I mean, shoot, they run pretty solid reps, you know, routes too. Bijan does, I feel like, especially. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was an abysmal start to finish for the offense um, as a whole. And it starts with Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. This one. This one, you don't, you hope you don't look back and say, ah, that was the turning point in a bad way for Steve Sarkeesian because um, everyone's looking at Sonny Dykes, what he's done, 10 and 0 in his first year. Everyone's looking at Brian Kelly at LSU, um, has LSU in the driver's seat to win the SEC West in his first year. And Steve Sarkeesian loses games that he's not supposed to lose. Um, and when he gets a second chance uh, to take control of his, his team's destiny and make a statement and get to the Big 12 title game, um, his offense comes up with one of the worst performance, well, the worst performance we've seen since Texas went to Notre Dame and lost 38-3 to and had 163 yards total offense. That was the last time that Texas had under 200 yards total offense. Tonight, they had 199 yards of total offense. Tonight, they were at home. Mm -hmm. In 2015, they were at Notre Dame. Charlie Strong trying to match wits with Sean Watson as his offensive coordinator against Brian Kelly. Um, tonight, you had Steve Sarkeesian going against Joe Gillespie of TCU, TCU's defense, middle of the pack. Um, but by God, Steve Sarkeesian got out coached by a mile tonight by Joe Gillespie. And that is, that's embarrassing. 
Steve Sarkeesian needs to figure it out quickly because the offensive guru who was hired here as the head coach, uh, his last 18 drives have produced six points when a Big 12 title was on the line tonight. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. It's uh, It was a tough one. That was a tough one to cover for fans. I'm sure it was a tough one to watch. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how Texas bounces back. They got to go back on the road uh, to Kansas, who lost uh, badly tonight at Texas Tech. Um, and so both teams will be licking their wounds, trying to figure it out um, next week in Lawrence. The game time for that, 2.30. Uh, it's been set. So Texas will take the field 2.30. Next week in Lawrence against uh, the man who embarrassed Steve Sarkeesian a year ago. Bowl uh, eligible Kansas State that has the bowl, same, or Kansas, excuse me, not Kansas State, that has Kansas. the yeah. same number of wins that Texas has right now. Ooh. Um, all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, Taylor, great job for Taylor Estes. I'm Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Until then, stay safe and keep the faith. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.